Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Surrounding me with love 
For to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy angel of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence I sense your presence and thank you for joining me here on the Code Connection. My name is Jesse on Nichols George, and I am your host, Jesse. Now, the music that you were just listening to there at the beginning of the show is called I Sense Your Presence. It's by Shem Shai. And Shem Shai is a wonderful, wonderful ensemble. Um, you can catch up with all of their work, by the way, through their website at www.shemshai.com, which is S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I.com. And, you know, it's so great to have had them um, as my opening and my closing (laughs) music on the show here for all of the time that I've been doing that. I'm just in deep, deep appreciation um, for all that they've offered and, and, you know, given to me along the way for for the use of their music. So definitely a great uh, opportunity to catch up with that. Hopefully I'm coming in loud and clear today. I am back in the Sioux Falls area and you know, really thought that um, I would be coming back in (laughs) through different means other than Skype, but I'm hoping for the best right now that I'm coming in nice and clear to you and everything is coming through really, really well right now. Um, I do want to just, again, welcome everybody, whether you are returning or whether you are joining us here for the very first time. We do stream live in three additional places, which is Talk Stream Live, Stream Finder, and Penn, known as Power Encounters Network. And I welcome everyone listening through those channels as well. Now, during this show, I look at living a more compassionate life by aligning with your personal life code. And at times, I will have guests on the show, and that gives you a chance to learn about their work and other things that may be an option for your code energy. And then I also highlight different musical artists along the way. Matter of fact, next week, I have a wonderful gentleman who's calling in and um, it's going to be great to have them on the show. I love when people from out of the country call in because it just, I don't know, it brings a whole new incredible energy in, and that's going to be what's love walk. I know, kind of a mouthful, right? <laughs> a real tongue twister in there. But he does this beautiful meditational music, and so I'm really excited to be bringing him on at this turning point of the year. Uh, also, I delve into a variety of different topics and tools and resources and thoughts that allow for personal exploration, universal insights, and expanding your perception of how life in the world works. And, you know, I do want to mention here, 
too, that I am deeply grateful for all the people that have been listening to my show for the last four years because, wow, what a run we started. I started in September of 2012. And, um, you know, it's hard to always let go of things along the way. And and it's it's tough, you know, but um, we're going to be winding down to the last few shows uh, here over the next couple of weeks. And um, everything in the universe has come up and said, I've got big changes going on. And so what I'm going to be doing is I've made a decision that I will be releasing the show from a, a week-to-week basis. And I'll be doing shows periodically is what I'll do. I'll come back and do shows periodically here on the network. And uh, But all of the life changes are putting me in a position that, <laughs> which are really, really great, that I am not going to be able to do the show on a week-to-week basis like I have been. So it's um, I just want to take that time to just really thank everybody for all of the support. And I'm sorry because it's really tough on me to to do this because it is so heart catching to have had all of the people supporting me all of this time. And you know, I hope that certainly you will continue to follow the code work because I'll be putting out some really amazing code work through my coding interpreter page and and other things on the network. Um, and that leads me into what my work is, <laughs> which is I am a coding interpreter, and I interpret a person's life codes to allow them to live a life filled with compassion and looking at their individual blueprint in this incarnation and how their energy flows and vibrates in the world. And uh, what I've done is I've created a tool called the Genesis Statement, which is great for manifesting and releasing things and clearing things and breaking through things and, <laughs> you know, just getting life to be in the flow. And that's available also to experience where other people have interviewed me and I'm going to continue to be interviewed by other people so you'll get a chance to connect with the code work through those interviews as well. Um, I've also authored four books along the way, You Need Life Dreams and its companion workbook, um, which is all about relationships and creating that relationship that's perfect for you. And that is the relationship that you're thinking, uh, seeking in there, and also activating compassion and its companion with it. And in addition, I'm a collaborator on a fifth book called Embraced by the Divine, the Emerging Woman's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose. And in addition to that, I've created the True North Tour, which is a multi-state nationwide tour. And that includes workshops, retreats, seminars, book signings, all kinds of various events on that. And... That is um, really exciting to have going on as well. And I'm hoping to get back out on the road again more um, in the near future, like in 2017, 2016. It's been a big year for me to just really focus on pulling together the different aspects of the code work and what's going on and what's happening with that and how I'm going to be bringing that back out through various events across um, not only the U.S., but probably also in Canada. And um, very, very excited to be breaking ground with events up in that area. So it just takes time to coordinate it all. <laughs> and definitely you'll want to watch for those as well. I do really appreciate all of those that share my shows here because 
when you do, you are literally changing lives. And, and it's amazing how just by clicking the share button, lives can be transformed. And that can be transformed through the information and the experiences that are being shared here. And they can always listen to it, by the way, in the archives using the very same link that you use to get into the live show. And then they can listen to it at their convenience, um, you know, whenever it works for them. In addition, the shows are also available as podcasts on iTunes and TuneIn.com um, tune and also through my YouTube channel. So there's lots of options. Um, going on and ways that they can connect with the show and, and what we are talking about here. So before we get started on everything, one of the things that from the very, very beginning of the show is to tune into a book called The 72 Names of God. It's by Yehuda Berg, who is a Kabbalah master. And I love this because he brings things into our everyday lives and our everyday languages and um, this message I do post, by the way, on my media tab under the code connection, and there's a message as an insights under their um, page that you can go to, and you can go back and reflect on the different um, insights that are there for the week. So um, I like to do that. I like to take a, a concept and work with it for an entire week and, and come back to it that way. Now, the initial message that he has for us during um, this week or for this week. Let me step back there for a minute. <laughs> it's been quite a week and quite a day, and we're, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so um, the common name of God that we have this week is called the Death of Death. And um, through that, the initial message that he gives on this is, uh, the power of death is not limited to the physical body. The end of a friendship the failure of a business, the dissolution of a marriage, all are expressions of death. Now, when good things are in danger of coming to an end, this name banishes death. And the insight that he goes on to give on this is, make no mistake, the one angel of death is the cause whenever good things of any kind come to an end. By attacking death at the most fundamental level, we avert many of the fatalities that strike us. These letters are powerful weapons for making that attack. And with each set of eyes that falls upon the name, the power of the angel of death is weakened throughout the world until ultimately death of death takes place and immortality reigns. And this is a really interesting concept because some people say, well, aren't you interfering with the natural cycle of things that you interfering with the process of things that need to come to an end and everything going through its cycle. But in reality, even in immortality, things do continue to cycle. Um, there is no beginning or end in immortality. Um, so that, that cycle in a sense does kind of stop. And this isn't about, um, by the way, resisting things. This isn't used for you know, resisting things and not letting go of things and keeping an excuse on things. This is like being able to maintain the light. This is being able to maintain loving energy so that that loving energy doesn't come to an end, um, no matter what we're going through, even through the cycles and the different shifts and changes. So that's uh, what he's alluding to in here. I just kind of wanted to add that in, in case people were having a little bit of um, confusion or wondering <laughs> where that was going with that. 
Now, the meditation that Yehuda gives on this is meditate with total conviction and certainty upon the absolute demise of the angel of death once and for all. So again, we're dealing with the depth of depth for the common name. The formal name on this is Nun Yod Toth. Nun Yod Toth. So that's a big thing in there. Now, you know, every week too, before we kind of get into the meat of our show, if you want to say that, um, then uh, what I like to do is to also go through kind of a concept or a thought of what's going on and to you know, get our minds thinking in the direction of the topic for the the current show today. Now, as we look at this, some of you may have tuned in because you said, ah, money, we're talking about the flow of money today. (laughs) And yes, we are. So why is it that so many people struggle with money? And do you place money as your main priority in life? And have you ever thought of what it would be like to do without money. It seems that many people today find themselves struggling and wrestling with money and finances. And I see this particularly strong with spiritual people. It actually surprised me to find out how many were talking about creating money and were deeply in debt. I could probably write a book on this area easily. After all, if it was all positive thinking, then I wouldn't even be writing this now because no one would need or want to read this. Now, when I look at this aspect as it relates to code, there are many code patterns that arise in connection to it. And the spiritual material conflict balance pattern is one key pattern. We also then have aspects of where we are in our own personal cycles and years. Add a few other dimensions such as universal laws and parallel existences, and my what a tangled web we leave. A couple of key points right off is that people struggle with money. They actually wrestle with it. Wrestle with having it. Wrestle with keeping it. Wrestle with making it. This energy alone creates a natural block or dam in the flow of the money river. Now, to understand this better, Let's look briefly at the codes of money. The codes show money to be on a pattern that is connected to being in the world, but not of it. Now, of course, there are many aspects of elite control we could get into and it being created for that. But I'm not going to go there right now (laughs) in this post or this thought connection here. With this pattern, it shows how the soul naturally rejects money as a system. Money itself is not evil, but the energy pattern it runs on connects to swaying us to be of the world and not just in it. It also reminds us, though, that it is okay to be used, but not let it rule us. Instead of taking this approach, our soul says, this is not the way the divine flows, and then creates a rejection of it. It says that money is not part of the divine system. Here again, we have aspects of truth here. And I say aspects because while we perceive differences and conflict, the soul knows it is all part of the divine and is not separate, even if it is a third dimensional creation. While money may be tied to this dimension, 
its energy patterns are not. They have existed long before the elite and the creation of money. Divine is founded in giving. It does not separate things by defining value in different layers, making some actions more valuable than others. So when it enters into resistance and wrestling with money, it shifts us to be of the world and not in it, and then blocks us from being able to connect with its true flow of using it to be comfortable in the world and not ruled by earthly things and desires. Another big block that I see that many put out there in the world is that they make money not just a priority, but their main focus. I see so many that are consumed and obsessed with obtaining it, and many that do that in the name of some spiritual principle or work. And their focus is all about the next big thing or computer or restaurant or any other numerous things. When they do this, Again, we see that money will run from us. And the spiritual is often left aside like the forgotten child. This aspect I equate to being obsessed with someone. The more obsessed we are with them, the more we chase them and try to get their attention, and the more that they will run from us. However, when we redirect and find our peace and stand in our wholeness without them, our confidence exudes a quiet, powerful, magnetic attraction that draws them in quite effortlessly. Some feel that it is becoming archaic to return to trade systems. However, in reality, that is all money is too. The difference, however, is that value and self-worth often get attached with money. When we remember that we don't truly own anything in this world, then we start to return to spirit. In a system of giving, there is no depletion, and everyone has more than enough. Most are not ready for this, because they are not willing to let go of their status quo and relinquish the ego, and truly live under the aspect that all is equal. So the key is to be in the world, but not of it when working with money. Do not buy into the concept that it is our only option, and do not spend your time chasing it around. But remember to balance with true spiritual fulfillment and not just physical pleasure and immediate gratification. Take the time to get out and have real experiences that don't require money. Money is about enjoying the physical experience, but it is not the full spectrum for us to focus on. How much are you chasing money? Has money become such a big priority in your life that you are creating a spiritual imbalance? And how much are you wrestling with your finances? It's a lot to think about this week, and it's a powerful thought, and we're going to get into this whole money flow and how do we create it and what it's about and the different components that go along with the types of money that we utilize in our society and the different types of money that are out there, because we have a lot of different types out there as well. So we're going to be talking about all of those here shortly. Now, every week also, before we move on to the main topic, um, I also like to give our thoughts about code energy for the week and, and what the flow is that is kicking off for the week. So the code energy for this week is all about 
answering the call to action. And it is time to get things in motion and to connect with what you feel your purpose is and what your heart is truly longing to have and do in this life. This is about taking care of what needs to get done. And plans can either experience delays or acceleration, depending on how active you are in developing the spiritual or being connected with it. For things to move forward, the spiritual must be developed. And the only one holding you back right now is you. This means let go of what is not working and embrace what fulfills you at the core and nourishes the soul. It's a great one to work with this week. It can mean a lot of shifts and changes. It can mean some big things. It can even mean some emotions coming in this week because of what you're releasing. But this can be a really, really powerful time for you. Now, this message is also, if you go on my media tab, go into Code Connection, Insights and Messages, um, you'll find it there, and, um, and it's located there, so you can always go back and reflect on it as well during the week. And there's other messages I do with the code work, by the way, and you can follow those through my Facebook page, which is um, just go on Jesse on Nichols George Coding Interpreter, and you'll find them on there. I'm going to take a short break, and when I return, I will be talking about the code and money and how to get yourself more into alignment with money. And the song I've got for you during our break is called Euphorians. It's by Claire Hedin. And again, Claire's just a beautiful, amazing person, and you can check out all of the work that she is doing through her website, which is clairehedin.com, and that's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I. IN.com, and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
and welcome back. You are listening to The Code Connection, and this is Jesse on Nichols George, and I'm your hostess today on the show. Well, I'm the hostess every week. <laughs> I guess it's not just exempt to today, really, um, but uh, anyways, the music that you were listening to on the show is called Euphorian. It's by Claire Hedin, and she's just got a wonderful array of music um, on, you know, not just what we've shared here on the show, but um, what is going on for her um, just throughout all of the work that she offers up. And she does just so many wonderful, wonderful things. So it's always worth connecting with her. And uh, you can do so through her website, clarehending.com, which is where you can also get her music, uh, that which we have on the show and, and that um, which is not on the show as well. So, that would be clairehedin.com, C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. So I bet a lot of people are really excited about getting to this topic today because it's always a pretty hot topic, um, you know, um, for people, this whole money piece and, and having this focus um, with things, and I'm sorry, I have some messages that have been popping in and out that people have been trying to keep me posted on how the sound is doing on the show um, today for for how it's coming in because I've had some challenges over the last <laughs> two months doing the show while I was on the road, and so I was hoping it was going to be a little more stabilized today, and it seems like it is, so that's a good thing. So today we are talking about the codes of money and how you can create a flow for money and be in that flow for money. And, you know, this is one of those topics, like I said, it's so tough because people put so much emphasis on money in the world. And we oftentimes wonder how we get caught up in all of these different aspects of stress and pressure and fatigue and worrying about things and, um, all these different components, and certainly money plays a big part in it, and a lot of people think, well, if I just had enough money, if I just had enough money, and, you know, the the real key is how do we do these things without money, for one thing. That's the real, that's the real creative challenge. And certainly any of us, if we had the money that a Donald Trump had or a Hillary Clinton or anybody else out there has, um, and those kinds of resources, we could certainly do a lot of things in the world. But the interesting piece is, even though certainly there are things that we can use money for that are of um, intrinsic value and and other value, um, it's, it's interesting that you know most of what money buys for us is about immediate gratification, and so. This is one of those pieces that really puts us into some interesting cycles along the way because when people start on this immediate gratification path, they automatically do a spiritual separation. Um, We automatically become absorbed and focused on the material world. And many people say, well, it's just about it's just about keeping a roof over my head or keeping my kids fed or things like that. Um, but ironically, you know, so many people also are living way, way, way beyond their means. And I'm not saying everybody is because the problem is, is that we keep cycling and no matter how much people have, it never seems to be enough. 
for them. So a big key with money is you've got to find that enough point. It's, it's about finding the responsibilities and the challenges and being able to, to let go of a lot of things. And I am seeing some people in the world that are starting to do that, maybe not as much in America as other countries, but they're starting to let go of the television. They're starting to let go of some of the excess things, if you want to say that. And it's bringing us back to communications. It's bringing us back to face-to-face things. That people get so wrapped up and they've got to have this type of clothing or they've got to have this type of deal and, you know, or eat at this type of restaurant or, you know, got to do this, got to do that. And really what money does is make life more comfortable. Let's put it that way because anything of real value, true value, you do not have to pay for it. I mean, especially in today's society, when you look around and you think, well, what about my meditation courses? What about my yoga courses? What about that? These are all things that you could do without spending money. You know, they're all things you can do. We do like the socialism. We do like the gathering of people. Again, they're all the big, big value things. Don't cost anything. So when we start to look at some of this approach, and that's not an easy one, <laughs> and I'm not saying money is a horrible thing because it's not. It is a means of exchange in the world. It is a means of, of making an easy exchange. So, for example, I can easily do an exchange with somebody who's in another country where I might not be able to get on an airplane and fly and go there. Um, and, and connect with them in person, I can still do an exchange and get something that they have and that's going on. Where the big struggles have come in and what has deemed money as such a so-called evil influence along the way is that money has been used as a source of power. So when you look at, say, our our political candidates, for example, because they're well-to-do, <laughs> Right? They're not hurting for money by any means. And when you look around at them and the resources that you have, they're constantly buying people. And, you know, even, even Trump has admitted this flat out, and this is I'm not pro or against anybody. Um, I really don't care for the whole political arena myself much at all. Um, but when you look at these things, he's even outright admitted, oh, yeah, I bought people to do this. I paid people to create this show, you know, um, and, and that's what it is. It's all about this money piece. And so I think oftentimes we get so wrapped up into it, and we do have a lot of people on this planet that come from societies like Lemuria, that come from Atlantean societies and different other uh, more shall we say, universal groupings that don't utilize money. You know, money is really a third dimension because when you start working with the other dimensions, when you are developing into the other dimensions and, and people remember existences that operated at different locations than the third dimension, um, money was not part of things. It was a giving system. It was a system where everybody gave and received. Everybody shared. And that giving was not a a giving, giving, giving that drained you. It was everybody utilized their resources and and 
you know, shared what they have. It would be like if somebody could build something, they would build something. If somebody could, you know, heal, they would heal or whatever their their skill set was. But, you know, money was not a part of that system. Well, as money was created into our world, now granted it's vibration, ironically, it's codes. When we look at the codes, is about being in the world and not of it. That's one of the things that I mentioned for it. And what happens in this code pattern or code vibration that money runs on is that oftentimes people try to try to live in the the divine aspect when it comes to money, and so they operate a lot on faith. They operate a lot on hope. And what this does is create what they call the fool's paradise or the dreamer pattern. And uh, what that does is that, you know, gets us wrapped in some big cycles of judgment going on. And then only when we're at the risk of losing all kinds of things, um, like our home and the ability to eat and things like that, do we stop and realize we need to do something. Um, so, you know, oftentimes we get very lax with money. We get very relaxed with it. And, and um, you know, we don't make some of those bigger, longer-lasting priorities if we want to say that. We don't focus more on some of the responsibilities. So it's kind of interesting that money has that vibration. But, you know, as it started to come about, and we've had exchange systems forever in a day in culture and society. Maybe it was shells at one point. Maybe somebody you know, traded some bread for some herbs or, you know, different things like this. There's always been kind of exchange systems. And and even in the divine energy, it's not about a sacrifice, but again, it's about a sharing. You know, it's about a sharing. You, You excel at a certain piece, I excel at a certain piece, and we simply share our gift. And and this is what a lot of people are remembering in these days and times, and this is where a lot of the struggles about money are coming up for people. This is where they're feeling really challenged in relation to money because the soul self is saying, this is not, <laughs> this is not how it works out of this dimension. So um, that challenge then gets accentuated because the soul self doesn't live in judgment. The soul self lives in this sharing compassionate stage of doing whatever needs to be done and whoever has the skill sets being able to do that, you know, and stepping forth and willingly doing that. And so the soul self operates in this whole whole different realm of things. And as money was developed in our society and around the world um, by whatever system is being used, and there's different ones obviously around the world, some use, you know, lira and some use dollars and some use, you know, rupa and all these different systems of money. And a lot of this started to to get developed when people were separating from the divine and they wanted to have control. They wanted to have power. They were feeding the ego. And the money system came a very good way for them to feed their ego, even above and beyond all the other benefits that they appeared to get along the way. And this is what started to create our so-called elite group. Well, come with me and you won't have to be part of these people that are going to be poor and suffering, you know, and they kept putting that thought pattern out there and that programming out there that you will suffer and you will be poor and, you know, 
and this whole realm of things because they were coming from this huge space of insecurity and this huge space of needing all kinds of affirmation. So by building this money system as we have in culture and society today around the world, they then have the ability to try to feed their self-worth. Well, unfortunately, in this superficial means, if you were to take money away from them and you were to take away, you know, what they have and what they could do with money, then, you know, we shift this whole other so-called divine or spiritual playing field, which is, you know, inequality. Everybody is equality. It doesn't matter whether you're a Donald Trump or a bum on the street. You're equal. And everybody has an equally, you know, important role, so to say. Uh, so money then started to develop this attachment uh, that was connected to, to self-worth and self-value. And this is where a lot of people, if they're not earning a certain amount of money, if they're not producing a certain amount of money, if they're not able to purchase certain things in the world, their whole self-worth and their whole sense of value comes into play. And it opens humongously other doors for them where then they start to feel down on themselves and they, they start to forget their soul self because at that point, Point when there's so much pressure put on them to say, well, my whole value is based around my earnings or my ability to have money or how much money I have in my account. And there are countries like this that if you're not making a certain amount of money, they won't allow you into the country. They won't give you citizenship. Isn't that an interesting concept? And so you want to talk about placing some huge self-worth and huge value um, judgments on things. That's that's a big way that we do it. And so, you know, then what happens is people's self-worth starts to go down. They forget their spiritual self, and that gets the spiritual self connection gets less and less and less, and the, the, the self-worth patterns and the self-value patterns and um, the lack of that grows. And then they start turning their power over to money. And they start focusing on the money and they start saying, well, I've got to get more money and more money and more money and money's going to solve all my solutions and answers. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is that money doesn't solve these issues. You know, money, again, is not the, the answer in it. What we have to look at is, you know, what, what are we going to carry out of this world? You know, where can we put our focus of what we're going to carry out of this world as we know, the physical is always going to respond to the spiritual. So you can see in some of these patterns, you know, where it's played in and the control came in and those people who started off with the insecurities were like, well, hey, we don't, we don't want people who are really confident and secure and don't need our money system. <laughs> we need to make them dependent because I'm too insecure to evolve out of that system. And therefore, you know, I want to keep everybody else in my fears with me. I want to keep everybody else constantly reaffirming me and try, telling me how great I am. You know, this is really what money's about. It's not even about this whole purchasing power or this power thing per se. So, you know, the, the whole point is they want to kind of keep people locked in to their mindset. They want to keep people locked in away from spirit, away from divine. And this is what oftentimes 
through different incarnations and existences will trigger this conflict. So when you couple that with souls who uh, have been living in cultures and societies and existences such as Lyra, Lemuria, um, you know, and, and Atlantis and all of these different groupings and these soul groupings and the Pleiadian groupings and things like this, they don't function very well on earth or they're having a lot of challenges. They might be having challenges earning money. They might be having challenges creating money in their life. They might have challenges keeping the money flow going. And even once they're creating it, they'll oftentimes have these inner struggles going on where something just doesn't feel quite right to them. Something just doesn't quite resonate with them. So it then becomes the shift and it's really not about how much money can I get. Um, you know, because here again, the real valuable things we can't get through money. So these conflict patterns start developing over many incarnations for people. And they'll go in and out of having money, not having money, maybe doing a monk life, maybe doing a healer's life, maybe... Um, doing the tyrant's life where they're in charge and in command and, you know, maybe starving to death. Those that listen to my show with Michael Bradford, <laughs> what was it, last week, and he pinpointed that. He says, you've starved to death in four lives, Jesse. Um, and I've been pondering that very con- concept and that information that he gave me, and it's really, you know, it's something for me to think about that I, I maybe you know, really, really did that as a spiritual principle. So it's not saying that we have to starve in the world or any of that thing, um, but it's very, very important that in using money as a, as a means of exchange um, to access things in a more worldly way, that we are not placing our value or our personal self-worth or getting ourselves into those spirals of I've got to have more, I've got to have more, I've got to have more. I've got to have more, I've got to do more, I've got to have more, I've got to do more. Because as we get into those spirals, and that's what happens for a lot of people, what they're doing is they're living in a deprivation cycle. They're living in a deprivation pattern. And that deprivation pattern keeps them in deprivation, which is why the rich never feel like they have enough. No matter how many billions of dollars, let's say, Donald Trump has, it's never enough. Because the real things that he's trying to satiate within himself, that he's trying to use money to obtain, he can't obtain. Because what he's trying to satiate can't be bought. So, of course, it's never, ever going to be enough. The millions, billions, quadrillions of dollars are never going to be enough. And it's funny how we have given money so much value in our system, you know, that we've accepted that as a means of exchange instead of other means of exchange. And, and we've made ourselves so-called dependent on money. So as we start to look at some of these concepts, I like to do a lot of reframing. You know, I like to take a look and say, okay, where do we find the balance instead of conflict between this material exchange that we call money and the 
spiritual divine path that our nature and our true self knows and our divine soul self knows. And the question comes to me is, why do we sacrifice so much for the material world if we are just going to leave it and for things that our soul self has no use for? Why would we do that? It doesn't make any sense unless we've forgotten, unless we've disconnected, unless we've set aside our soul self. And that is for those people that are living that spiritual material conflict pattern. And I have part of that in my codes, so I understand it very, very well. Why would we do those things? And most of us do it, and we don't even think about it, right? We don't even think about what we're doing. That we've just spent hundreds and billions and thousands of dollars on things that don't even matter. They don't make anything. They're strictly material world things. Now, when we start to find the balance, what we find is that part of how money flow works is it has to be in pretend. It has to be in motion all the time. So that means we have to constantly be using money for something. We have to constantly put it to work in some way of things. Um, You know, it's funny because in this pattern, I've oftentimes had people come to me and they say, yeah, but spiritual people shouldn't be poor and spiritual people shouldn't have to suffer. Well, it's a very interesting phase that a lot of spiritual people go through in that. And I agree, they shouldn't have to suffer and they shouldn't have to be poor. But as they continue to evolve on their path, they realize that even without anything, they are so incredibly rich. And again, the difference comes in whether you're pursuing it actively or not. And I know there are some thoughts out there that say, if you focus on it, focus on it, focus on it. But it's kind of like prayer. How we focus on it can make a difference in whether it comes to us easily or whether it doesn't. Now, of course, as a coding interpreter, There's all kinds of things in each person's individual codes that is going to help them get into an alignment that makes the money flow easier into their life, right? If they're in an alignment flow in their life, whether that's a personal cycle or a place that they live or, you know, uh, people that they're interacting with or where they're working or things like that, you know, if, if if they're in a place that has that alignment, money is going to flow easier. If they're in a place that does not favor that alignment and has got a lot of deception and a lot of other things that are heavily spiritually focused, money is not going to flow easily to them, into their life. So the key is then to start to find the balance. Well, how do we find the balance? As I was mentioning, as we develop more and more spiritually, we really realize Hey, money is not what I want to spend my life thrusting after. What I want to do is spend my life having experiences and and doing things and enjoying things and being and seeing the magnificence of the dimension that we've chosen to incarnate in. Because as soon as we do that, all of these wars and these battles and these conflicts, which really 
don't propel us towards our whole selves are start to fall away and the experiences become greater and greater. When we talk about what really touches the heart, what really impacts the soul and additional existences that it's having or will have or chooses to have, what impacts it is the experiences, the interactions with people, the getting out into nature, okay? The living, if you want to say that, okay? Um, you know, eating at jack-in-the-box <laughs> isn't necessarily going to impact that. You know, that's running on various patterns of things. Um, you know, it's just like where Michael had talked and, and brought up last week that I, I probably start to death life. I've been pondering that over the last week. And I thought to myself, well, that could explain why in this incarnation I drew in a lot of people who tried to feed me. They tried to over-care for me sometimes, or a lot of the relationships, the people I would be with were feeders. You know, my mom was always trying to feed me food. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting that I may have put those people in my life as a means of protection for me to not starve. <laughs> you know, on the other hand, it kind of has been too much from some people, um, you know, along the way. It was kind of overdone by my mom, for example, along the way. So uh, some of those things we have to learn. Again, let's find the balance. When we take money and we use money in a way to create more balance into the world where you know, it's not about, you can't rescue and save the poor, just like you have the rich who cannot solve what they're truly craving through money. The poor cannot be saved by money alone. What saves the poor is the joining together. What saves the poor is helping them have their needs met so that they are not starving. It's sharing. It's sharing and it's caring and it's compassion. That's all it is. And that, that big piece there. So when we start to step into these energy currents of compassion, and there's compassion for self and there's compassion for others, there's compassion for our world, when we start to step into our divine alignment and our code alignment, what we're doing is we're stepping into that flow of compassion. And when we do that, it starts to become easier and easier for people. People ask me, they go, I, I just, it's unbelievable to me that I could sit down and focus on working with certain numbers or angels or days of the week or things like this, and that puts me into alignment Why I don't have to put so much effort for it. Well, it's because everything is this vibration in the world, and money is no different. Money is a vibration. Food is a vibration. You know, all of these different things are vibrations in the world. So uh, some really aspects and pieces that are going on. And um, in this process, to open our flow of money, one of the things we have to do is ironically stop chasing it. We have to stop putting such a heavy, heavy emphasis 
on money in our life and start saying, you know what? Sure, that might be really nice to have. That extra piece of money might be nice to have, and sure, I could benefit from that. But what am I going to do with that money? If I take that money and I pay off some debts that I have, now I'm using money to clear something bigger than just material things. Okay? I have to learn, one, especially with my codes personally, I have to learn that I can't operate on debt. Debt doesn't work with my codes. Okay, probably something my soul set in motion there too, right? <laughs> you know, but, you know, don't be in debt. You've got to be responsible with things. Work with what's in hand. Because debt, what it does is just like war in the world where people keep incarnating over and over again in these different existences to try to balance war. They say that a lot about the Iraq and the Iran wars that these people keep coming back and they keep fighting to keep having the opportunity to stop fighting with each other, but they keep fighting with each other instead. And, you know, it's kind of the, the same concept in there that we continue to repeat these cycles until we break them. So if I take and I use money, for example, to pay off my debt, and then I continue to live debt-free, now I've cleared things in my other incarnation. Now I have actually created a freedom. Now I've actually released myself out of money's control. When I take my time and I put my emphasis more on, um, you know, say, being able to help somebody or to provide somebody a meal who's struggling, before going out and buying those $200 pair of tennis shoes. And I can say, hey, I can do with a $50 pair of tennis shoes and I can, you know, feed 10 or 20 people, <laughs> you know, a meal or something. And these are the different things that start to shift our concept. And again, it, it doesn't mean that we have to be poor. You know, a lot of people out there seek to live these really extravagant lifestyles and these really fancy things. And for what? To say that they can? to say that they've been on Oprah, to say that they've done these things? And yet what does that do for our soul? What does that do for what we're going to leave this world with? So when we start thinking, how can I use money to shift my experiences on earth and to connect with us in a real and authentic and genuine way when how can I use money to bring balance into this world? Again, we can't save the poor and we can't pacify the rich. You know, we can't comfort them enough, the rich enough, and we can't save the poor. What we have to do is to help them develop the skills to be happy and confident outside of the lifestyle that they're living, how to obtain that happiness anyway. And people might wonder, well, you know, who are you to talk about these things? You know, who are you, Miss White American, to <coughs> express this, teach other people about what's outside of it? Well, I'm a person who has lived on the road. I'm a person that walked away 
from a 2,400 square foot home and chose to be in a vehicle in order to talk about compassion. I am a person, not as a martyr, I'm not saying that at all, but I am a person that chose to, instead of having some of the comforts in life, to free myself from some of the money cycles, to give myself the independence, to give myself freedom, and to be happy anyways. And in this process of what originally started off, maybe not totally as my choice um, in some ways, you know, not consciously choosing it, but I have been there. I have been without food. And I have hit those times where I had at least a vehicle to be in, but not comfortable conditions by any means. I've been in a vehicle in minus 30, minus 40 degree temperatures. I've survived those things. And certainly there are other people who have survived much harder conditions than myself out there. And yet what I learned is that none of that, which most people would consider suffering, was truly suffering. And that none of the material things could stop my happiness. Because my happiness is not contingent on these things. So as we start to learn and focus on the things that create these aspects in our life where we're not putting all the emphasis on money, 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 purchase, purchase, purchase. What's very interesting is money comes to us (laughs) because we're not controlled. It's kind of like that person that you fall in love with, right? And they're kind of nonchalant about being with you and they're kind of I'm doing my own thing and it just makes them more interesting and more more magnetic to you well that's what happens when we can step back and say I'm not going to be controlled by money you're not going to buy me out I'm not for sale And my happiness isn't contingent. I'm going to go out in the world and I'm going to do things that develop my happiness and that that develop this. And there's a lot of things we can do without spending a dime, whether it's taking a walk, whether it's connecting with nature, whether it's meditating. There's tons and tons of things that we can do to impact this world without spending a dime. I have completely marketed myself without using marketing money. For the last four and a half years, I've not spent a dime on marketing. I think I spent about 50 bucks total to publish books, (laughs) maybe 100 total spread out. Okay. I traveled, I toured, I put my money into other experiences. But what I found is the more balanced I am within, the more everything comes to me effortless. So it's a very different way of thinking from what we have been programmed to, from what we have been doing. 
And the true energy of money is about exchange. It's about sharing. So if you want to develop a money flow in your life, create a sharing circle. Create an exchange circle. And you will open to greater flow of money. Because this is about being in the world but not of it. Okay? Yes, we need food on the table. Yes, we need to survive. Yes, we need all these things. But we don't have to live super high, luxurious lifestyle. There's something more going on than that. The wise person has no desire for those high luxury lifestyles that do nothing but ultimately destroy our earth and are about a disregard for life and caring. And that might sound a little strong to people, but that's okay. And I'm not saying don't ever go enjoy something nice. But, you know, maybe find it on sale, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. But your true happiness isn't going to be found there. Your true happiness isn't going to be found because you spent $1,000 on something. Because it doesn't come from outside of yourself. So you really, I encourage people to ask why am I really doing this? What am I getting out of this? Besides some sort of immediate gratification. And every time I choose immediate gratification, I place myself in a greater victim position. I place myself in a powerless position. And, you know, this is these things. And people come to me and they say, I want you to have this. You deserve to have the best. You know what? The best isn't in material things. It can't be bought. And, you know, people say, I want you to have a bigger vehicle. Well, I don't want a bigger gas-guzzling vehicle that destroys the environment. I don't want it. I have no interest in it. There is a balance to be found. And this exchange, what it does is that it, it starts to remove the judgment. It starts to say an hour of your time is worth an hour of my time. We're both giving an hour. We're both giving equally. Okay? One thing is not worth more than another. The CEO isn't worth more than the janitor in the company. They're just willing to do different things. And I'll tell you, I was just having a conversation today with somebody. I said, I don't want to be in management. I don't want to run things. That's not my desire in life. Because I know what that's about, and that has no interest to me. And, you know, when you flip these things around, that person on top who's happy to run things and tell people what to do, guess what? They don't want to clean anything up either a lot of times. So it's a needful exchange. It's time for time. Neither one is more important than the other. They each just take the role that works for them. That's where some of the balance, the sharing comes from. You know, the, the janitor sometimes can have the wisest advice for how to run a company. You know why? Because they can see things that that CEO can't see from their perspective. 
everybody contributes equally on the face of this earth, no matter what position they're in. And we need to not judge that because they're each sharing a piece somewhere that is valuable and important. And nothing is more valuable. When you talk spirit's terms and spirit's concepts, nothing is more valuable than anything else. Okay? So these are big things for us to consider with money. So getting into some of this flow, the thing. One of the big questions that I think is just, you know, again, so important to us is why do we spend so much time pursuing something to purchase things that we cannot take with us out of this incarnation? When you start to reflect on these questions that I'm asking, you will start to set yourself into a position that opens this door that becomes unbelievable to where people want to help you. They want to give to you. They want to make sure that you're taken care of. And I've had that experiences in my journeys and in my travels of places. And people especially over the last couple of months, I've had some people that just kept giving to me and giving to me. And the reason that they did was, one, I was passing through some areas that I was in alignment with in my codes. But more than that was because what they saw shining through in me touched them to their soul. And it wasn't because I spent a certain amount of money. It was because of who I am. Because what I do with my money. Because of how I am. Because I hold my soul self and authenticity in the midst of spending money. I don't have to wanted around or prove anything to anybody. I am humbling myself. Simple as that. And when you spend from that space, saying, hey, I don't need a hotel room that costs $750 a night. I'm really content with the one that cost me about 60 or 70 bucks. That's all I need. You change what happens. So this is the the piece of the money flow that a lot of people don't give you. And, And as you connect back with this piece, this authenticity piece, again, the physical is going to respond. So you can't help but to draw in money. You can't help but to have doors open for you. You can't help but to have people go, you have touched my heart. I want to give this to you. You know, I had stayed at this place over the last two months, and this is in my most recent video post for the month. And this person that was at the hotel where I was, 
she kept looking at me and kept looking at me, and they had this little koi pond and everything. And I'd gone out to my car, checked out. I was just being me, just being an ordinary person. And she came out, and she said, you're somebody really important, aren't you? You're, you? There's something more to you. I can tell it. And she goes, you're, you're an author, aren't you? And I said, well, yes, I do. I have some books published. She goes, I have to have one of your books. What do you write about? And I go, I write about compassion. It was really interesting because she was of the Asian culture. And compassion, of course, is very big um, with a lot of the Asian culture and, and particularly with the Buddhist culture and things like that. So it was really exciting. You know, in a way, it was it's kind of funny because what she saw was not me, the author, per se, but she saw the light within me. And that touched her. That touched her on such an incredible, incredible level. And she says, I have to have one of your books. I have to have it. And I just happened to have a copy, and I'm getting ready to do some revisions. And I'm like, sure, here you go. You know, she goes, what do I owe you? And... And she comes back and she says to me, she goes, hmm, she goes, I don't have any American money with me. <laughs> she goes, all I have is this Canadian money. She goes, I'm not sure how to do the exchange on it, but I'm sure this will take care of it. She hands me this bill and and it took care of more <laughs> than what it was, you know, and, and she gave me these these two apples. And you'll have to go on to the video blog to find out about the two apples. But the interesting piece was the money was I was holding the money and I was kind of laughing about it. And I was like, you know, it's, there would have been a time that I would have been really concerned about what somebody was giving me in the way of money and whether it was a fair exchange or this or that or whether I was going to have to take the short end of the deal or things like that, so to say. And this time it's like I really didn't even care. It didn't even really matter to me whether she paid me or not because she had seen me. She had seen me, the spirit, me, the divine, me, the soul. And because her life had been touched, the whole money thing became irrelevant along the way. And that bill that she gave me is actually something that I'm going to be using to spread compassion around the world because it is going to be a goal that I'm going to be passing around and I'm going to to pass it to somebody else and I'm going to share with them the story that goes behind it and let them make the decision whether they want to use it for something for themselves or whether they want to use it to touch a life. And this is how we start to transform money. This is how we start to shift it, is to make money not about personal value, but like seeing a rainbow in a rainy sky or stormy sky. It's about shifting it to remember an appreciation of compassion, of touching the life, of divine connection. An opening. So I will eventually, (laughs) 
as this becomes more in motion, plus more about that transference of money out there. And I find that that's a really important thing. And, you know, I'm at a point now where I don't even have to ask for anything financially. I just step back and let it go and know that I will be taken care of. And the more I do that and the more I I continue to reframe and say everything on the material world will work out to my benefit. And I stand in that knowing because my soul self knows that without the slightest bit of question. And my material third world dimensional self is understanding that now too. And I have people that have literally in the last two months just handed me some money and said, here, this I want you to hold on to until... You know, you know, should you ever come and need again, and then use it, not to use to pay your bills, not to use, you know, use other ways, but that it shall be there should you ever come into a time of need again, and that you will always have something to eat with. It just goes to show how we can shift it. It just goes to show how it doesn't have to be about control and it doesn't have to be about turning over our power and becoming powerless or feeling like a victim in this world or feeling like we're not enough because we don't have a certain amount of money in our account. It can be used to transform lives. It can be used as a vehicle to share divine light if we choose to make it that way. Now, when we start to look more, again, into this programming about money blocks and money flow, and what's really interesting in that is a singular block comes into our life in order not to create the turbulence that we tend to focus on when a block shows up, but to encourage us to reconnect with peace and love because when the block shows up in our life, we're not standing in peace and love. And so the real aspect that the divine is coming at us with, that our codes come at us with, the truth comes at us with is get to peace and love. The block is literally telling us, go be in peace and love. And that's really hard for a lot of people because they're so focused on the turbulence But when they stop focusing on the turbulence and they say, okay, I consciously choose to be in the state of peacefulness or the state of love, which has nothing to do with these external influences, the rest will shift. So that's kind of an interesting piece. Now, when we talk about blocks in a plural sense, and we're getting multiple blocks that are coming our way. That is about a message that is telling us that we must develop the spiritual side first. It reminds us, yes, we will be all-powerful. Yes, we will have everything that we need or could hope for, and that we will have more than enough in our life. But we must get through our spiritual lessons first. 
if we approach the blocks in our life from this perspective, now we've opened some really big doors for ourselves, right? Because we know if I'm in a single block, I just need to go find peace and love within myself. And that will transform things. If I've got multiple blocks, I need to figure out what the real lessons are. I need to figure out what the spiritual process is that I'm in. Now, when we combine that with money, and we have a singular money block going on, right? We have just a singular block related to money going on. Um, Maybe that's just paying an individual bill or something like that. Then what we're doing is we are being asked to tune into our so-called mental superiority and to set aside material things through our own choice. Because when we do that, we connect with what's all powerful. Now, again, most people would say, but I don't want to suffer, but I already am giving up all of these things. Okay, but a lot of times we're not giving them up by choice, for one. And two, what we're doing is we're still trying to attach and hold on to those material things. And when we say that, it doesn't mean you have to go out and give up your house or your living quarters or whatever. It's saying go out and connect with what is real. Maybe not work that extra day and make sure you're honoring time. Make sure you are honoring balance to the spirit and not just putting all your time into trying to obtain stuff for the material world. Because that throws us out of balance. When you look at working a 40-hour work week, okay, 40-hour work week, and most people work more than that. Most people go, 40 hours, heck, I'd love to have a 40-hour work week. I don't have anything near that. Most of us are giving up 25 to 30% of our lives at least to money. And most of us are giving up more than that because most of what we're taking care of when we're not on a job is about money and not about living. It's like that old proverb or that old saying goes, you know, you you work so hard to have something and you never get to enjoy it. Well, if you're not enjoying it, what are you doing? Okay. Many generations ago, people didn't buy things on credit. They knew they needed a life. They knew they needed connection. They knew the value and the importance of that. So the mental superiority is about not letting that money rule our life. It's about stepping away and giving value to the truth, putting time into what is not of this world so that we can create balance. Now, when we look at money blocks and we look at it in the plural sense, what that's doing is that's telling us that we have placed ourselves in a dependency position. Um, It's places we oftentimes will create money blocks in our life, consciously or subconsciously, in order to get people to help us. And why do we do that? 
because so many of us live on a passive-aggressive behavior pattern that we won't just come out and tell people, I need a hug today. I need support today. I need this today. And we won't come out and say what we need from people so they can't give it to us. So then we create all these blocks in our lives related to money so that people will step up and help us. And this comes back to if you have that exchange, if you have that interaction and that sharing interaction going on with people in your life, right? You won't have to create money blocks. You won't get those happening in your life. Okay? And some big things. When we talk about money flow, now flow of money is really interesting because flow happens when we balance ourselves in a way that we can get along with all different kinds of aspects and components. When we keep things moving, and that doesn't mean just moving in the sense of flow, that literally means moving in our life, moving products, moving goods, moving services, you know, connecting people. That's flow. That is that energy pattern that flow runs on. So, you know, here again, it's like you don't want to get into the hoarding patterns. It's not about how much money can I keep, but how much money can I keep moving through the world? See, this is one of the things that a lot of the elite and the rich know. They're constantly keeping money moving, and they're constantly getting more because it's moving. It's staying active. And so this, this generates an energy flow there. Now, when we combine this and we have money flow specifically, we've got an energy dynamic that then opens us up to um, starting to stand in our own power where we are in command of our life, where we can actually carry out our ideas and our plans, and where we can create a fortunate future for ourselves. So it's very interesting as we start to delve into some of these quotes. Um, to open many foe, we're now having to incorporate lessons learned, right? You can't, you can't open a, a money flow by being in a victim pattern in your life. It won't work because those are lessons that aren't learned, right? And when I came back and I was talking about the blocks, right, it says you get the blocks because you've got things you need to learn <laughs> in there. So when we operate from that wisdom and lessons learned and we don't repeat our past and we don't keep spending by credit card and debt, we open our money flow. And it can be a challenge to set back. And, and why do so many people, again, because we have that value attached to money, which is so why so many people, you know, worry about giving up certain things. You know, they, they, they've gotten really attached to things. Now, when we look at a dynamic of, you know, in some ways, 
if we open money flow and a money block, it's one and the same thing. Isn't that interesting? It's one and the same thing. And when we open that flow up that alleviates the block, we can actually create what we refer to in coding as maybe like an immortal pattern. But guess what? How does that open? Through love and peace in our life. Two really simple things. And yet everybody goes out there going, oh, if I just work 20 more hours, well, guess what? Is that working 20 more hours really giving you love and peace? Or are you going to experience more love and peace sitting down over a meal with somebody or sitting down and having conversation with somebody or spending time in nature? What's going to give you more love and peace? Because the more love and peace you bring in your life, the more money you will have in your life. When we look at financial resources, it's really interesting. Um, and, and we look at a component that the financial part is like the wheel of fortune. And what that tells us is that whether we have financial resources or not, depends on whether we operate with this wisdom. If we operate from control and power, it will spiral out of all kinds of crazy things, and it will bring a lot of challenges into our life, a lot of unpleasant things into our life. And if you actually look at a lot of the elites and the lifestyles they're living, let's take Princess Diana, right? A lot of financial resources there. She also saw the misery from the misuse of those power and those resources. And that a lot of the people that have all that still aren't happy. And she was a person that chose to focus on peace and love. To make her a very popular person, they didn't like that at all. Because she wasn't playing the game. And there's been a couple of others. Princess Grace of Monaco opened up the cover on the elite circle. She didn't last too long after that either. When we look at resources, resources is about the harvest. In other words, it is got two energies about it, but it does connect very strongly with our harvest energy. Again, it is what puts us in a position to make a difference in the world. Um, and, you know, we can't make that difference in the world if we're constantly chasing money because we're not coming from the authenticity, the love, and the peace. Even if we put it in a spiritual package, we're not doing that. So when we look at that, the harvest comes to us because we carry out our own plans not because we're controlled by somebody else, not because we're doing somebody else's work, but because we're making our own decisions, because we are not turning our power over to other things. And it comes from our experiences, learning from our experiences. And when we bring the financial and the resources pieces together, we now, again, have us in an aspect of what creates greater fortune. And 
when we bring these energy patterns and we use our power wisely, when we uh, do this, the, the so-called wheel of fortune spins in our favor, and we learn along the way, and we enjoy the harvest, we enjoy what comes into us, we appreciate, we have the gratitude for it, and we operate on our own accord and not because we're being controlled or turning our power over, that's where we start to find happiness. And this is why people tend to associate money with happiness. Because the energy current of financial resources runs on a happiness and a success pattern. And they, they feel a sense of value from that. They feel a sense of worth. But what if you gave yourself the worth first? Right? So it, it's, a very, it's very interesting as we unfold the codes on this. Um, you know, it can be very tied into our scene on that pattern. Honor, success, you know, again, things that can feed the ego in some way. Uh, but how we deal with that honor, that success, that honor of success can come from our acts and our duties and what we put into the world and what we choose to be more than anything. How we are, how we exist, how we exist. Right? But when we put it all on the ego side of that, that's only going to be temporary. You know, when, when you buy things for immediate gratification, it's not going to last. And no matter how much you have, it's not going to be enough. So it's interesting, the financial resources, and that's, here again, this is why we even subconsciously, even if it's not conscious, make that connection because it actually runs on that vibration that our self-worth, our esteem, how we're going to be in the world is dependent on financial resources. And this is why we've seen the elite make such a big to-do about it about look at all the financial resources. What they're really saying is, look at what I'm worth. Look at my value and why are they saying that? Because they don't have any confidence in themselves. They haven't hit those levels. They're not operating in that vibration. And, and looking at how people get money, just because people got money doesn't necessarily mean that they're in peace and love. And, of course, what they get when it's not coming from that space doesn't last because there's always somebody trying to take it from them. You know, when they're getting it through power and control and so-called unscrupulous means or using it in unscrupulous ways, they keep losing. They keep having to pay. Because here again, it's all about a self-worth system for them. You know, it's all about reassurance for them. And when we look at and build, you know, to build financial resources, what's very ironic about that is that brings in this component of strange accidents and fatalities. So we also see this in the elite. We see this in a couple of different manners. We see this when it gets misused, like oftentimes happens in the elite circles. What happens? People suddenly start dying, right? <laughs> Oh, what a strange accident. That person that was always happy just up and decided to commit suicide. Yeah, not. <laughs> Didn't work that way. Of course not. 
and they want to write it off as nothing. It leads people to these darker spaces sometimes. Now, when we are building this from a position of authenticity and our resources come from the love and the peace, those strange accidents and fatality patterns then come about, well, kind of like Yehuda was talking about early in the show, a death. And, and that becomes more of the death or the ending of a cycle, letting go of something, the releasing of something, closing of something out in our lives. And usually that can be a conscious process for us, something that we're willing to give up in life and not give up out of sacrifice or deprivation or poverty or any of that, but really out of an aspect of change. You know, because I can even say there was definitely a point in my life where money, 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 give me that big giant house and the property and the whole works. And now I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it. So making that transformation, that change, being willing to release things is really, really powerful. And I think these are important things that I'm talking about because most people, we've been so programmed in our society that we need to be like the elite. We need to reach their levels of resources and we need to play their games and, you know, we need to strive to be on their shows and do things their way and all of this stuff. And, you know, what's really interesting is they're operating on this deprivation pattern. Uh, They're operating on this unsatiable pattern that if we really put it, again, to truth, that it's really a pattern that is about... um, deprivation that it's about, you know, what they're in is a suffering most of the time. You know, we, we don't always see that because we're only looking at third dimensional world and possession. But, you know, most of us don't really truly want that lifestyle. I mean, do you, do you want that you have to spend money on tons of bodyguards and things like this? I mean, maybe that's an experience you do want to have. It's not an experience I'm really interested in, but um, it's just one of those things that oftentimes what seems so glamorous is not. You know, do you really want to sacrifice all of your privacy? It's something I had to think about younger in my life when I had the opportunity to go into professional modeling. And I really didn't want to sacrifice my privacy. That's what it came down to. There were certain things I just wasn't willing to sacrifice. And so I didn't go big into the industry. I did some small things along the way, but I didn't go big into the industry. And, you know, when you look at a lot of these people, they're they're lonely, they're unsatisfied, they're surrounded. They have no power, no choice for themselves. You know, they've turned everything over. And, and, and so they just keep, you know, in all these different cycles, they keep trying to find something outside of themselves that will, you know, soothe the pain that they're in. That's why we see a lot of alcoholism, a lot of drug usage and things like that in these circles of people. 
because they're constantly looking to suppress the amount of pain that they're in. I remember going to some parties filled with celebrities, and I just went in and treated them like regular people. I didn't even know who half of them were, really. (laughs) It was a party so sweet with Mac and The Who, and then my days of growing up in L.A. when I was in college, and, and... you know, you could see it was such a change. And it was funny, I just talked to them as ordinary people and just had ordinary conversations with them. And I was getting, you know, all kinds of attention. Well, that was definitely upsetting some people who were, you know, some of the other girls there who were gold diggers that really just wanted to get in the, you know, pockets and, you know, live the lifestyle of so-called rich and famous. It's very interesting. You know, if you ever want to find out somebody's true colors, give them a whole pile of money. You'll find out what their true colors are really quickly. You'll find out how authentic and genuine they are. It's amazing. When I start to really open up that whole piece as I was sharing in the story of the person who gave me the money for the book, People are going to want to watch for that dollar bill. And I will post it eventually down the line as it starts to circle around because it's going to be a money that will stimulate compassion around this world. And it's going to have a very high impact on the world. And that big, big thing for us to consider in this process. And we have to remember that a lot of times what we've known of money in the world comes from feeding the program of lacking, you know, of you know, the elite. That's one of the key things. That's how they maintain their power. So if they make you dependent on money in the world, they can easily control you. They can easily keep you locked into those patterns of lack and victimness. And when we look at commodity money, which is the money that most people know, they're purchasing things and stuff, um, you know, uh, it has what's called intrinsic value or earthly value to it. You know, the very interesting piece is when we code that out, what we actually find is it codes to the patterns of the sacrifice of victim, suffering and mental anxiety. When we look at what's called fiat money, which is intrinsic value or um, no intrinsic value, in other words, um, in in the world of the elite, it's considered very fragile or uh, because nothing backs it, per se. Uh, when we look at the aspect of fiat money, what's very interesting about that is it circles back around to um, the harvest energy, being able, somebody being able to create their own ideas and plans and put their own things in motion and being able to be independent. Well, of course, in the world of belief, that's not going to have any value, right? Because you're independent. You can't be controlled by them. 
When I look at this in perspective of truth, the true money is fiat money. The true money is that, not commodity money. Because commodity money locks us into the victim pattern, and that's where we experience suffering from money. A lot covered, a lot to think about, a lot to open up to. And, and I hope you will think about these things because it is too easy to get wrapped up in the money game. It is too easy to turn our power over to money. It is too easy to allow ourselves to be bought. And if any of you have been in that position where you felt like you sold yourself out, I did this strictly for the money. You don't oftentimes feel good about that. There's something that feels empty and missing inside of you. And your energy starts to get heavy. But when you share, when you give, and and not giving just, like I said, expensive things, because oftentimes people who don't have a lot, to give them really fancy, big, expensive things doesn't work for them. You know, it's like a, you know, it's like a millionaire that pulls up in this limousine, right? <laughs> and he, he says, you know, here, here's a, you know, here, here's a Rolex watch. Well, you know, that, that street person doesn't have use for the Rolex watch. He needs some food and he needs some shelter. <laughs> he doesn't need the dang Rolex. And a lot of people say, oh, he can sell it on the black market doesn't matter. Now he's got a bigger problem dropped in his lap because he's got to go find somebody who buys a Rolex and he's not hanging with people who are buying Rolexes. Right? <laughs> it's really, really interesting. So getting back to where life is more about money, they're more about living, more about experiences, more about exchange. Again, if we bring these pieces in that I've been talking about today, you'll open your money flow up and you'll create more than enough money to have in this world, more than enough to be comfortable and share with others. But I also want you to think about why you're doing the things you're doing, not justifying them, not with judgment. Are you trying to find your value? Are you relying on money and what you earn in the world to give you self-worth? It's something to think about. And it's something that I hope each and every one of you will take the time to think about. How are you using money in the world? So much that we've covered here today, so much that we've gone through today, Next week on the show, we are hitting another seasonal turning point of the year, and I'm going to have What's Love walk, and he's going to be sharing his thoughts and his music with us, and he does some really, really great music. It's meditational music. It's going to be a little more relaxed and laid back in the style of music that he does, and we're going to have a great time with him, um, and he's going to be calling in from you know, another part of the world with us, and that's going to be exciting as well. 
And I just want to mention, don't forget that, you know, you can get the book that I'm a collaborator on, Embraced by the Divine, which talks about a lot of challenges from everywhere from money to angels to dark night of the soul processes, all kinds of things. You can get that through the website, embracedbythedivine.com. And that is called Embraced by the Divine, the Emerging Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose. You can check out all of my work, by the way, from codes to monthly video tips. What's the one I talked about? It's called Two Apples. It is uh, their archive shows, interviews others have done on me, books, upcoming events, all those things. You can follow up with them through my website at CompassionCodes.com. I'm also on Facebook. I have... uh, actually four different pages on Facebook. I have the page under my name, Jesse on Nichols George. I also have Jesse on Nichols George Coding Interpreter. And I have Activating Compassion, which is my author page there. And then I do have a group page called Spiritual Nourishment Network. So all great uh, avenues to connect with. Don't forget we've got several shows here on Main Street Universe. Tuesdays we have Susan Wheat who shares the work in Earth and Natural Plants. Wednesday nights we have Daniel and Janice on our flagship show called Main Street Universe. Janice has also been doing her own show from time to time called Reflections and Rhythms. Darren Bucare pops in from Madame Laveau in New Orleans every now and then, um, doing his show on spiritual insights. So we have all kinds of things. There's some great things in the archives that you can check out there. And, of course, Friday's The Code Connection. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I am letting everybody know that The Code Connection and my weekly doing of a radio show is going to be coming to an end in the near future here. And I haven't decided on the exact date, um, probably around the autumn equinox time frame is what I'm looking at right now. And um, in doing this decision, it was not easy for me to make. It's not easy for me to let go of this, but I am sensing a lot of things that are going to put me much more into the world. And, um, and it's not going to be possible for me to continue on a weekly basis, but I will be doing shows from time to time. So I'm not going to be completely out of the network. Um, I will be be doing some things periodically as well that you'll be able to catch um, in the show version. This is Jesse Ann Nichols-George, and I'm really glad you joined me here today. And thank you to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but also those streaming live on Penn, known as Pair Encounters Network. Streamfinder and TalkStream Live and those catching our podcast at iTunes and TuneIn.com and those that are catching the YouTube version of the show. Don't forget that if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I am going to leave you with the song today, Yearning For, also known as Over and Over. It's by Shemshai. Check them out, www.shemshai.com, S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I.com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on The Code Connection. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind, I would soar to the edge of my mind. And to touch what seems unreal, just to show you the way that I feel. We are in time with time One with season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon 
love is still burning Deep in your spirit Your heart still yearning Over and over, life is your life. 